So if you're in Leviticus chapter 20, we're continuing our series this morning on um, uh, I Am, which is a series in the study of the compound names of God. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about to know God's name means to know Him and to know Him intimately. And, and we know that uh, knowing God's name is really important if we're going to receive everything that God wants us to receive from him. It's hard to receive from a stranger. It's hard to trust a stranger. But whenever you know God, it's easier to put your faith and your trust in him, right? And that's what Psalm 9 and verse 10 says. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. And so the more we know God, the more we'll trust him. And the more we trust him, the more we can receive from him, right? And so I found out that the more I get to know God and know about his attributes, his nature and his character, the more I can receive from God. And that's why it's important that we take the time to just study the names of God. Now, in the first week, we talked about Jehovah Nisi, which is the Lord is our victory, right? Remember, Moses raised his hands and and he lifted them to the Lord and the Lord gave them supernatural grace to win their battles. And then last week, we talked about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord. Lord is our provider. How many of you know he has a way of providing for us that no man can, can intervene, right? And, and God is supernatural in his provision. Now, to be honest with you, as I looked at the names of God, some of them are like the desserts, you know, and some of them are more like the broccoli, you know, in, in my mind and in my understanding. And so it's easy to, and it's fun to talk about the Lord is our victory. Amen. That's easy to proclaim the Lord is our victory. The Lord is my provider. He provides for me supernaturally. Man, it's easy to do that. But, you know, today we're going to talk about Jehovah Makedish. The Lord is our sanctifier. The Lord is our sanctifier. Now, that might sound like broccoli to you. But believe me, we need to know that the Lord is our sanctifier if we're going to experience him as our provider and if we can experience his victory. Amen. And so uh, we find the revelation of the Lord, our sanctifier, in the book of uh, in the book of Leviticus. Now, um, it's one of the least read books, the least favored books in all the Bible. But right there in the book of Leviticus is the revelation that the Lord is our sanctifier. And so let's read it together in Leviticus 20 and verse one. It says this. The Lord said to Moses, give the people of Israel these instructions which apply both to native Israelites and to foreigners living in Israel. And if any of them offer their children as a sacrifice to Molech, they must be put to death. The people of the community must stone them to death. I myself will turn against them and cut them off from the community because they have defiled my sanctuary and brought shame on my holy name by offering their children to Molech. And if the people of the community ignore those who offer their children to Molech and refuse to execute them, I myself will turn against them and their families will be cut off from the community. This will happen to all who commit spiritual prostitution by worshiping Molech. I will also turn against those who commit spiritual prostitution by putting their trust in mediums or in those who consult the spirits of the dead. I will cut them off from the community. So set yourselves apart to be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep all my decrees by putting them into practice, for I am the Lord who makes you holy. There's a lot right there. 
And so in verse 8 of this, uh, if this passage of scripture is the third compound name of God. In Hebrew, it is, I am Jehovah Makedesh, or I am the Lord who sanctifies. Now, why is learning about the Lord, our sanctification, so important? Well, because it spiritually positions you to receive everything that you need to receive from the Lord. That's why it's so important. You know, it has been said that it took God one night to get Israel out of Egypt. But it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. In the book of Exodus, Israel is redeemed out of oppression, right? They were redeemed out of oppression of Egypt, and they're on their way to their destiny, the promised land in Canaan. In the book of Numbers, on each side of Leviticus, in the book of Numbers, Israel finally reaches their destiny, the promised land, which is that land that flows with milk and honey. Now, yet sandwiched between Exodus and Numbers is this unique book that all of us love to read, the book of Leviticus which is sometimes referred to as the book of life. And the book of Leviticus is the precepts and principles that Israel must follow if they're to experience the abundant life in the promised land. That's why it's so important. Leviticus is the handbook, if you will, of instruction and regulations for the Levitical priesthood, teaching them how to worship God and how to stay in and enjoy and reach their spiritual destiny. And one of the key verses in all of the book of Leviticus is found right there in Leviticus 20 in verse 7 and 8. And it says, so set yourselves apart to be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep all my decrees by putting them into practice, for I am the Lord who makes you holy. I am Jehovah Makedesh. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Now, let's unpack this principle this morning. We learn from this compound name that the Lord has called us to live separated lives. How many of you know that? And so you must be holy. Verse 26, he says, you must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. How many of you are Christian here today? You are a different people. You are God's people. You are set apart for God's purpose and for God's reason. Now, what does it mean to be live a separated life? What it means is to live a sanctified life. And we're going to unpack that a little bit. Sanctification means a couple of things. Number one, sanctification means to turn from all other gods. Remember the first commandment. You shall love the Lord your God and you shall worship him only, right? And so the Lord spoke to Israel through Moses not to give their offspring or their children to the God of Molech. And that's what he says in verse 1. Look at it again. The Lord said to Moses, Give the people of Israel these instructions, which apply both to the native Israelites and to the foreigners living in Israel. If any of them offer their children as a sacrifice to Molech, they must be put to death. The people of the community must stone them to death. Now, what was all of this about? Well, here's the answer. Molech was a fire god that people would sacrifice their children to. 
And their purpose of sacrificing their children to this fire god was to appease the fire god, expecting in return protection and blessing. And so uh, God was warning Israel not to put their trust in any other god but him, including the fire god of Molech. And in verse six, he says, I will also turn, I will turn against those who commit spiritual prostitution by putting their trust in mediums or in those who consult the spirits of the dead. I will cut them off from the community. How many of you know God's a jealous God? He's a jealous God and he don't want us to have any lovers. He says, you shall worship the Lord your God and worship him only. Amen. So sanctification first means to turn from all other gods. A god is something you put your trust in. Something you give all your attention to. Something you rely on. He says you're not to have any other god. Sanctification also means to live a life of purity by following God's commands. And this is what he says in verse 7. Set yourselves apart to be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep all of my decrees by putting them into practice. For I am the Lord who makes you holy. Now, the Lord instructs Israel to keep and to put into practice all the Lord's decrees. Now, the decrees really means his laws, his commandments, his instructions. And he says, make sure that you practice my instruction. In verse 8 in the message, it says it like this. Do what I tell you. And live the way that I tell you, I am the God who makes you holy. So he, he then gives them specific instructions. I won't take the time to read all of it, but if you continue reading there in Exodus chapter or Leviticus chapter 20, he, he says, uh, he, he specifically tells them all disrespect for parental authority was not to be tolerated at all. All spiritual prostitution by turning to other gods was to be forbidden. All illicit sexual sins, such as adultery, incest, homosexuality, and bestiality, were forbidden. This was just some of the many commands and laws and instructions that God gave Israel to follow. In verse 22, he says, You must keep all my decrees and regulations by putting them into practice. So to walk with God, to be properly spiritually positioned, is to receive and receive his position, his provisions is to follow his instructions. That's part of sanctification. Are y'all still tracking with me yet? And then the third thing, sanctification also means to live a separated life unto the Lord. And this is what he says in verse 23. Do not live according to the customs of the people I am driving out before you. It is because they do these shameful things that I detest them. So the Lord required the children of Israel to live separated lives, apart and separate from the people living in the land, the non-Christians, the ungodly in the land. They were forbidden to follow the practices and the behaviors of those who didn't fear God or walk with God. And the Lord required Israel to live holy, separate, and sanctified lives before the Lord. And what we need to understand about sanctification is this. Sanctification was not only a standard for Israel to follow, but it's a standard for all of God's children to follow. It's not old-fashioned. 
It hasn't gone out with the times. I need a better amen. It's still popular in God's eyes, right? In Leviticus 20, 26, he says, you must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all people to be my very own. The Lord is a jealous God and he wants us for himself. Amen. And sanctification, finally, is a standard of living that the Lord expects from all of his children. In 1 Peter 2, 9, it says this. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Aren't you glad God called you out of darkness? But he wants us to walk in light, right? Just like the nation of Israel was a chosen generation, a a royal priesthood, a special people, so are we. And so the Lord requires every one of us, just like the children of Israel, to live a sanctified and a separated life unto the Lord. We are to be different. We are to live differently than worldly people, than non-Christians, than ungodly people. We are to live differently than them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 7 says, God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives His Holy Spirit to you. Come on, that's pretty clear, isn't it? So sanctification is a universal Christian principle, a standard that the Lord requires all of his children to follow. Again, Leviticus 20, 26, you must be holy because I am the Lord am holy, right? Now, why is sanctification so important? Todd, why are you banging this drum this morning? Here it is, okay? This is what we need to remember. Why is it so important that we turn from other gods, that we live pure lives by following God's commands, and we live separated lives unto the Lord? The purpose of living a sanctified life is so that we can enjoy the promised land. Remember, you have Exodus, you have Leviticus, and you have Numbers. Exodus is when God delivered the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. And then he gives them all these laws and regulations before they get into numbers, which is the promised land. Why did he waste a whole book of the Bible to give them all these laws? Because they needed to hear this. They needed to know this if they were going to enjoy the blessing of the promised land. And so it's the same is true for you and I. I just want to mention this. I believe there's a wrong mindset that's creeping into the church today. And the mindset is this. It doesn't really matter how you live your life. God has called us to freedom, man. Be free. Live your life free. Well, be careful while you live your life free that your freedom don't turn in to an excuse to go back into defilement and go back into Egypt. Are you all with me out there? Come on, listen. That's a wrong mindset that I believe is hurting the church and the people in church today. And so 1 Peter 1.15 says, but just, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Why should we live sanctified lives? So we can be spiritually positioned to live under the blessing and favor of God. Saints, I just want you to know that it's good to live uprightly. It's good to live sanctified lives. Amen? Hebrews 12, 14 says, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without 
which no one will see the Lord. So if you want to see God's blessings on your family, on your relationships, you have to pursue sanctification and purity of life. If you want to see God's blessings on your finances, you have to pursue sanctification and purity. If you want to see God's deliverance from trials and trouble, you have to pursue a sanctified life. Sanctification spiritually positions you to live in the promised land. Amen? You see why it's so important? It may seem like it's broccoli, but no, it really is the dessert. So you can enjoy the rest of it, right? Come on, how many of you want to live positionally in a place where God can pour out his blessings on you? You know, I was thinking about this and I love to think about, you know, the sweet spot of life. Living your life in a place where God's favor and blessing and grace can continue to flow in your life. And some of you are familiar with Rockefeller where you go to the weir and you go cast netting for shrimp. Anybody ever do that? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a blast, man. Or you could go crabbing, right? And you know what I found is like, if you're not positioned right, everybody else can be catching shrimp and you just got an empty net. But if you get in the right position at the right place, man, you might get a net full of shrimp. Amen. Some good boiled shrimp. Amen. Come on, how many of you getting hungry already right now? And so you got to get position. And see, listen, Israel, you know, the promised land in Israel, you know, Israel, the land of Israel was a promised land. And, you know, we got a chance to go there last year, last May. But, you know, Israel is in this bowl. It's surrounded by mountains. And we found out so much about Israel when we were there. You know, they produce so much crops and they send it out throughout. There's so much technology there. They, they create technology. They're on the forefront of technology. Everything that happens is Israel is amazing. This little bit of country and nobody can take them down and they prosper. It's a promised land. And spiritually speaking, that's where God wants you and I to live. It's in the promised land. Don't live in Egypt. Don't live in Syria. Don't live in the in Jordan. Don't live in Lebanon. Live in the promised land. And that's where God wants us to live. You know, there's four blessings of sanctification and purity. The first one is prosperity. Proverbs 13, 21. Adversity pursues sinners, but the righteous will be rewarded with prosperity. The righteous are rewarded with prosperity. Righteousness is another way of saying sanctification, holiness, set apart, purity. God's prosperity, his protection from your enemies when you're in trouble. God's prosperity is when you receive his miraculous provision when you're in need. God's prosperity is when God supernaturally blesses you and you know, man, this is the touch of God. Have you ever experienced God's prosperity in your life? Where you thought you wasn't going to make it, but you made it? When you think it was the end, but it's not the end? Come on, how many of you want the prosperity of the Lord on your life? Isaiah 3.10 says, Tell the godly that all will be well for them. They will enjoy the rich reward they have earned. Tell the godly they will, it will be well with them. Godly living positions you for prosperity. Another thing it does is it positions you for, for favor. How many of you want God's favor? Listen, Proverbs 14.9. Fools mock at sin. Fools mock at sin. It's old-fashioned. Oh, they're fuddy-duddies. Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is... Come on, you want to be a fuddy-duddy or you want the favor of the Lord on you? What is God's favor? It's God's smile on your life. 
It's when God prefers you and you get preferential treatment. Amen? And I like to say it like this. It's when you go to Walmart and you get the first place to park, right? And you get there before the person that's trying to beat you there. Just kidding. You could get in the wreck right there at that spot at Walmart. But how many of you know God's favor causes even strangers to like you? God's favor gives you super, the supernatural edge in your life. It causes you to stand out in a crowd. It's like God's light is on you. And it causes you to receive special kindness and graciousness and help from others. Come on, have you ever found yourself saying, man, that was the favor of God. That was the favor of God. I shouldn't have got that. Uh, have you ever got a, a rebate or you, somebody reimbursed you and you're like, man, I didn't think I was going to get that. And God just gives you that. And you just smile and you say, thank God for his favor, right? It's good to live in the favor of God. Joseph continued to prosper and be blessed as a slave serving a heathen king in a foreign land. I believe because of God, God's hand of favor was upon him. And the Bible says in Genesis 39.3, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. So I believe the reason for Joseph's favor was not just an accident. It's because Joseph decided to live his life in purity and in sanctification. Listen, whenever he got rejected by his brothers, thrown into the pen, he could have got bitter. He could have had a bitter attitude. He could have had a pouty face. But he didn't do that. He kept his heart right, and God favored him. Amen. Listen, whenever he was uh, uh, just uh, tried to take advantage of by Potiphar's wife and he was uh, and, and she came at him and he ran away, he fl he fleed impurity and he ended up in prison. God's hand of favor was on him and God blessed him anyhow. Amen. Come on. How many of you know man can't keep you down when the favor of God is upon you? Come on, man can't, man can't determine your destiny when the favor of God is on your life. Well, how do you get the favor of God on your life? You live uprightly. You live in purity. You live a sanctified life. That's how you do it. Amen. And look what, look what it says in Genesis 39, 6. And Joseph was a godly person and well favored. Joseph was a godly person. You remember Daniel found favor. He found favor because his heart was to live a sanctified life. You remember in Daniel 1 and 8, it says, Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now, God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. Now, the result of Daniel's decision not to live a defiled life was the divine favor of God. Hey, you know what I'm trying to tell you? It matters not what circumstance you're in. Favor always follows sanctification. Favor always follows the person that chooses to live their life separated unto the Lord. Amen. That's the, that's the bottom line. A third blessing of sanctification is it increases answered prayer. And this is what Proverbs 15, 29. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Not everyone who prays receives answers to prayer. Not everyone that prays is, has effective prayers. 
Sanctification and purity is what makes the difference. In James 5.16 in the ERV, it says, anyone who lives the way God wants can pray and great things will happen. Do you know how we live our lives makes the difference in our prayers? You know, I remember years ago, Tanya and I, we went to Bogota, Colombia to a conference and God was moving there and this church was exploding in growth and some tremendous things were happening. And we got to talk to this young teenage boy and God was blessing him. He had like a life group, a cell group, and, and it was exploding in growth. And, and we're saying, man, what do you think? What are you doing? What? And he said, you know, I think, I think that, you know, the, the real, the real key to God's blessing of my life is me living separated unto him. When all my friends are wanting to do things and go places and stuff, he said, I, I just choose to just not go with them. And I just choose to live my life separated to him. I thought it was so profound. He was too young to, to know Christianese too well. You know what I'm saying to you? To be real religious. But he found out something. God's favor is on his life as he lives separated unto the Lord. The fourth blessing of sanctification is you experience God's presence. In Psalm 24 and 3, it says, Who may climb into the mountain of the Lord, the presence of God? Who may stand in His holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Now, what does it mean to experience God's presence? It means you have joy instead of depression. It means you have faith instead of fear. It means you have peace instead of anxiety or worry. It means you have forgiveness and acceptance from God instead of living under guilt and shame. It means you live in freedom instead of the weight and burden and oppression of sin. Come on. The presence of God. So here's how I understand the principle. When you live a separated life unto God, you will always experience, you will always experience God's presence. And when you experience God's presence, life gets better. Isn't that true? I mean, I experience a better life every time I come to church and I worship and I get in the presence of God. I feel better. Life gets better. How about you? Hopefully you don't feel worse, right? You feel better. I hope. It's in the presence of God, right? Whenever I spend time just uh, by myself reading the scripture and just closing my eyes and just talking to God, I sense and feel the presence of God. And when I sense and feel the presence of God, my life gets better. I'm, life is better. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Come on. Sanctification, separated, set apart for God. It's what he desires. So then the question is, if living a sanctified life is such a blessing, how do you get there? How do you get there? Well, there, there's three ways. Number one, you can choose to live the sanctified life. And, you know, let, let me just let me just stop for a moment to say this. You know, I talk to some people and it's like they want to argue with you about how close you can get to the end of the fence. You know, like what's the boundary? What God likes is OK here or over here? And they argue that. And I say, listen, man. There's too much at stake for me to fight about what's what's permissible or not. I want to live over here, not over there. Amen. And some people, it's just like, you know, they don't understand what we're talking about today. That there's too much at stake to to jeopardize living a separated life under the Lord. I don't want to live on the fence line. I want to live in the middle of the pasture. 
Amen? So you have to choose to live a life of sanctification. Listen, you know, when it comes to sanctification, there are certain things that you, can, you can't do that only God can do. For example, forgive your sins. You can't do that. God's got to do that, right? But there's also certain things that God won't do that only you can do. Like God won't force us to live sanctified lives. We have to choose to live a sanctified life. Are y'all with me? He's not gonna, he's not gonna browbeat us and say, you better not do that. You better live like this. No, he's not gonna do that. He said, go ahead, go ahead. Here's some, here's some rules and regulations. I encourage you to follow them. Go ahead. Go ahead. See, see, go from Egypt to Canaan and be blessed as you go. How many of you know we'll never get to the promised land until we choose to follow his laws, right? And so listen, the Lord won't twist our arm and make us live an upright life. We have to choose to do so. Leviticus 27, sanctify yourselves and be holy. We have to be willing. And I guess that's the thing for me is that, you know, I hopefully that just us talking about this today, that we don't see it as the broccoli. We don't see it as just like, man, come on, let's talk some more about that victory stuff. Come on, let's, let's talk some more about that provision stuff. Come on, let's talk about how God smashes our enemies. Let's talk about that, Todd. Well, for, let's talk about sanctification. Because we can't experience the God of victory or the God of provision. We can't enjoy the promised land until we receive his rules and regulations of worshiping and serving him. We have to live separated unto him. Does that make sense? And so Hebrews 12, 14 says, strive to live in peace with everybody and pursue the consecration and holiness without which no one will ever see the Lord. See, if you want to be spiritually positioned to live the abundant life, you have to choose to pursue it, which means to make a strong effort. Like the Bible says, flee fornication. In other words, don't flirt with it. Don't hang around it. Run away from it. It's on the fence line. Come on, don't live there, right? And the Bible says, listen, it says there, strive to live at peace with everybody. Come on, don't live in conflict. Don't live in, 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 uh, in, in you know, warring with people. Live at peace with people. Why? Because I want to be blessed. I want the favor of God. I don't want to have time to sit around and talk about everybody. Come on, it's better to live your heart and your life pure so you can have the favor of God. I'm helping somebody in here today. I'm not sure who it is, but somebody. Come on, are you willing to do whatever it takes to live your life separated unto God? Come on, that's what, it, that's what he's asking for. The second way to experience the Lord's sanctification is allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. You know, sanctification is really an inner work of the Holy Spirit. And the, and the Spirit works in us and gets Egypt out of us. And you see, we really don't need anybody to tell us what we should do or shouldn't do. We can do or we can't do. If we would just be willing to just let the Holy Spirit work in our life, the Holy Spirit is there to sanctify us. Listen, when you become a Christian, the Lord forgives you, and immediately you receive justification. You're justified, just as if I'd never sinned. You say, God, would you forgive me? He says, yes, I will. He forgives you. You're justified. But sanctification is a different story. 
It's a process that doesn't happen overnight. It takes time, right? And so to experience sanctification, you have to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. You can't quench him. You can't shun him. You can't resist him. you got to embrace him, the Holy Spirit. And if we will let the Holy Spirit work in our life, the Holy Spirit will help us live a separated life. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says, But we, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctified work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Thessalonians tells us one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to work sanctification in our life. So here's an idea of how it works. The Holy Spirit helps keep us from idols and falling into idolatry. And so when we're tempted to put our faith and trust in man or circumstance or people or things, anything other than God, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us and saying, wait a minute, you're letting this take first place in your life. You're letting this crawl on the altar of your heart. You need to put it back where it belongs. Keep God first. The Holy Spirit's job is to help us and convict us whenever we're chasing after other gods. That's why he told Israel, hey, you need to quit sacrificing your children to this fire god of Molech. He can't help you. He can't protect you. Quit doing that and let me take care of you. Amen? And then the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of everything that's outright rebellion against the law of God. You see... The Bible has been given to us as a, as a textbook, as a blueprint, as an owner's manual. With all these things, even the book of Leviticus can help you live under the favor of God. Amen? And so the Holy Spirit's job is just to tell us, hey, you're disobeying. You're in rebellion against the laws of God. Are y'all tracking with me? And so you got to work with the Holy Spirit and sanctification doesn't happen overnight. It's a lifelong process. Process, Amen. It's like I was sanctified. I'm being sanctified and I'm going to get sanctified. It's working a deep work in me. But praise God, I'm not in Egypt anymore. Come on, I need a better amen right there. And then finally, the third way we can experience the Lord's sanctification is through believing the truth. Now, here's the truth. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 We ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and through belief in the truth. I'm going to you know, truth will sanctify you. Truth is, we can't fully accomplish the work of sanctification on our own. The truth is, only God's amazing grace can purify us. Have you learned that yet? You know, I remember, I remember when I first got saved, it's like, you know, I thought, Lord, uh, there's still behavior. I, I became a Christian, but man, there's some things in my life that don't look Christ-like. It doesn't seem Christ-like. Can you all relate? In fact, you know, today I've been serving the Lord for 33 years. I still experience things and I say, ooh, that's not like Jesus at all right there. Come on, what about y'all? Come on, don't act too pious in here. Y'all help me out here. How many of you with me, right? And so listen, you know, that's the truth. And so, you know, but the truth is I can't, I can't work sanctification on my own. I desperately need God's help. And the Lord said, listen, you need to quit focusing on everything you're doing wrong. Keep your focus on me because the reality is I'm the only one that can help you. The Apostle Paul 
struggled with the same thing and he understood the power of sanctification in Romans seven fifteen. This is so encouraging to me. And he says this, I don't really understand myself for what I want to do, what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Can anybody relate to that? But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. For I am not the one doing it. It's sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. How many of you know sin is the reason we don't live a sanctified life? Right? In Romans 7, 24, it says, Paul said, you know, I don't understand this, but he said, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he answers his own question. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the good news of the gospel right there, right? He's like, man, I can't, I can't change. A leopard can't change his spots. I can't stop doing some of the stuff that I'm doing. How am I ever going to get better? And he says, oh, I know, I know, I know. Jesus Christ is the way I'm going to get better. How many of you know Jesus is the sanctifier? See, unless we believe this truth and embrace this truth, We'll never get anywhere. Jesus is the one that can purify us, cleanse us, make us, make us desire to live for God instead of follow the ways of the world. Amen? Jesus is the only one that can position us spiritually. You know, in the Old Testament, the way of sanctification was to sacrifice an innocent animal and to sprinkle the blood of the sacrificed animal on the altar to cover people's sins. Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. You know, I always thought about this. You know, when you read this picture in the Old Testament, they had to put their hand on the head of an animal, and then they would sacrifice him. It's like they made him look at the animal and said, this is the price. This is what's the cost of sin. Some, something has to lose its life. Something's got to shed its blood. The blood of the innocent sacrificial animal became the substitute for the life of the guilty person who had sinned before God. I mean, if you know, that was a picture. In the New Testament, the way of sanctification is to accept the truth that Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. He was the one sacrificed once and for all for our sins to be forgiven. Hebrews 9.22 says, In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9.27 Just as each person is destined to die once, and after this comes judgment, so also Christ died once and for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for Him. The truth is there's no sanctification without the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? 
And so we could try to live our lives sanctified, pure, and set apart and all that, but we're going to always miserably fail because you can't do it on your own. you got to have the grace of God operating in your life. Do you all believe that this morning? And that's the, that's the good news of the gospel, that when Jesus died, he shed his blood. So not only could our sins be forgiven, but we could have the power to overcome the sin's hold on our life that wants to keep us in Egypt. Praise God. We don't have to live in Exodus and we don't have to live in Leviticus. Thank God we can go over there and live in numbers in the promised land, in the place God has destined for us to live. Amen. And so the bottom line here, gang, is this. The Lord is our sanctifier. It's not broccoli. It's really the most important part of how we enjoy the rest of God's blessings. The reason why the Lord gave the children of Israel, the book of Leviticus. So whenever they got in the promised land, they could stay in the promised land and enjoy the fruit of the promised land and not end up again back in Egypt. Why does the Lord want us to live a separated life? Be holy for the Lord is holy. He doesn't want us. He's, He's delivered us from Egypt. But He don't want us to live in the wilderness and He don't want us to just visit the promised land. He wants us to live in the promised land. The way we live in the promised land is to keep our hearts pure and keep our hearts dedicated and surrender to Him. That's how we can live positionally to receive the abundant life of the Lord. Amen? I hope you liked your broccoli this morning. Would you stand? Come on, let's just take, just take a moment. Would you just bow your head for a moment? Let's, let's seal this in prayer before we go. Sanctification does two things for us. Number one, it positions us to spiritually live the abundant life. Can we just right there where we are, just make make a decision and a commitment? Lord, I'm going to live my life for you. I'm going to live my life dedicated to serve you. Lord, I want to follow you in your ways. I want to live my life to please you. Lord, I don't want to live near the fence. I I want to stay clean. I want to stay, I want to stay, Lord, uh, in the middle of the pasture. Not at the fence line, wondering what I can get away with and what I can't get away with. Come on, let's reject the mindset that God don't care how we live. God don't care what we do with our own time. And Come on, let's reject that idea and let's make a decision today that we can allow the Lord to just... They'd work in our heart and separate us from all other gods, from all foreign gods, from everything that, that is not godly and everything that, that is, that is a, 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 a counterfeit. Come on, we don't want to commit spiritual adultery. We don't want to have an affair on the Lord. We want to live our life. Come on, separate it unto Him. Is that right, gang? Come on, how many of you today say, that's me, that's my desire, Lord. I don't want to, I want to be a faithful son. I want to be a faithful daughter. Lord, I want to live my life in a way that pleases you. And Lord, today we say, Lord, help us, Lord. We need you. We choose today to live a life separated unto you. Lord, we need the work of the Holy Spirit and we embrace that right now. We open our hearts, Lord, to the work of the Spirit 
to help us learn how to follow the instructions and the commands of the Lord. Father, we pray today that you would empower us today. And Lord, we receive the truth that there is no sanctification without the blood of Jesus, without the cleansing power of the Lord. Come on, it's the Lord that can change the leper spots. It's the Lord that can cleanse us and purify us. It's the Lord that can take all of Egypt out of us and fill us with godliness and uprightness and righteousness. And Lord, we're asking you to do that today. In the name of Jesus, we pray, cleanse us, wash us, fill us, Lord. Let your presence overtake us today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the washing. Come on, let's take a bath this morning. Let's take a bath. Let's take a spiritual bath this morning. And let's let the Lord just cleanse us. Come on, let's ask the Lord. Lord, we repent today of all sin, all rebellion, and ask you to cleanse us, wash us, Lord. We want to leave here pure and holy and and washed in the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, the other other blessing of sanctification is it positions you spiritually, not just for the, the promised land in this life, but the spiritual promised land, the eternal life, heaven, the place that the saints of God will live in the new Jerusalem with all the angels, with the cherubim and seraphim in the host of heaven that sings holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. And maybe you're here today and you've never really surrendered your life. You've never given your life to Christ. And today you realize the need to give your heart to Jesus. Come on, He's ready to wash you and cleanse you and justify you and begin the process of of sanctification. All He needs from you is your willingness to surrender. If you're here today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to Jesus. Just raise your hand so I can see it. I want to pray a special prayer for you. Just raise it high enough so I can see it. And I want to pray a prayer for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I see your hand. Anybody else? Come on. This is your day. This is your time. Come on. Let's pray together, saints. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being the sacrificial lamb that shed His blood for our sins. Lord Jesus, I ask You to forgive me of all my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Purify me. Thank You, Jesus, for accepting me into Your family. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for allowing me to live the abundant life. I love You. I honor You. And I bless You, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, and everybody that is grateful that the Lord is our sanctifier, shouted and said, Amen and Amen. Amen. Listen, if you pray that prayer, there's a card in the pew with a bar that says, I made a decision. If you'll take the time to fill that out and bring it into the lobby, into the information desk, we have a gift for you. We have a Bible. If you need one, we just want to give you some tools to help you get started. I'm going to be glad you're saved this morning. I'm going to be glad you're a child of God this morning. Come on, don't live in Egypt or the wilderness. Live in the promised land. Amen. Father, I pray the favor and blessing of the Lord over the people of God today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Have a great day. God bless you as you go.